Chapter Sixteen of *The Man in the Iron Mask* by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The change of residence, the trap door, and the portrait. Porthos, entrusted to his great delight with this mission, which made him feel young again, took half an hour less than his usual time to put on his court suit, to show that he was a man acquainted with the usages of high society. He had begun by sending his lackey to inquire if Monsieur de Saint-Aignan were at home, and heard in answer that Monsieur le Comte de Saint-Aignan had had the honor of accompanying the King de Saint-Germain, as well as the whole court, but that the Monsieur le Comte had just that moment returned. Immediately upon this reply, Porthos made as much haste as possible, and reached Saint-Aignan's apartments just as the latter was having his boots taken off. The promenade had been delightful. The king, who was in love more than ever, and of course happier than ever, behaved in the most charming manner to everyone. Nothing could possibly equal his kindness. Monsieur de Saint-Aignan, it may be remembered, was a poet, and fancied that he had proved that he was so under too many a memorable circumstance to allow the title to be disputed by any one. An indefatigable rhymester, he had during the whole of the journey overwhelmed with quatrains, sextains, and madrigals, first the king, and then La Valliere. The king on his side was in a similarly poetic mood, and had made a distich, while La Valliere, delighting in poetry as most women do who are in love, had composed two sonnets. The day, then, had not been a bad one for Apollo, and so, as soon as he had returned to Paris, Saint-Aignan, who knew beforehand that his verse would be sure to be extensively circulated in court circles, occupied himself with a little more attention than he had been able to bestow during the promenade with the composition as well as with the idea itself consequently with all the tenderness of a father about to start his children in life he candidly interrogated himself whether the public would find these offsprings of his imagination sufficiently elegant and graceful and in order to make his mind easy on the subject monsieur de saint-aignan recited to himself the madrigal he had composed and which he had repeated from memory to the king, and had promised to write out for him on his return. All the time he was committing these words to memory, the comte was engaged in undressing himself more completely. He had just taken off his coat and was putting on his dressing-gown, when he was informed that Monsieur le Baron de Vallon de Brasseur de Pierrefond was waiting to be received. Hey, he said, what does that bunch of names mean? I don't know anything about him. "'It is the same gentleman,' replied the lackey, "'who had the honor of dining with you, Monseigneur, "'at the king's table when his majesty was staying at Fontainebleau.' "'Introduce him, then, at once,' cried Saint-Aignan. "'Porthos, in a few minutes, entered the room. "'Monsieur de Saint-Aignan had an excellent recollection of persons, "'and at the first glance he recognized the gentleman from the country, "'who enjoyed so singular a reputation.' and whom the king had received so favorably at Fontainebleau in spite of the smiles of some of those who were present. He therefore advanced toward Porthos with all the outward signs of consideration of manner which Porthos thought but natural, considering that he himself, whenever he called upon an adversary, hoisted a standard of the most refined politeness. Saint-Aignan desired the servant to give Porthos a chair, and the latter, who saw nothing unusual in this act of politeness, sat down gravely and coughed. The ordinary courtesies having been exchanged between the two gentlemen, the comte, to whom the visit was paid, said, "'May I ask, monsieur le baron, 
to what act be circumstance am i indebted for the favor of a visit from you the very thing i am about to have the honor of explaining to you monsieur le comte but i beg your pardon what is the matter monsieur inquired saint aignan i regret to say that i have broken your chair not at all monsieur said saint aignan not at all it is the fact though monsieur le comte i have broken it so much so indeed that if i do not move i shall fall down which would be an exceedingly disagreeable position for me in the discharge of the very serious mission which has been entrusted to me with regard to yourself porthos rose and but just in time for the chair had given way several inches saint aignan looked about him for something more solid for his guest to sit upon modern articles of furniture said porthos while the comte was looking about are constructed in a ridiculously flimsy manner in my early days when i used to sit down with far more energy than is now the case i do not remember ever to have broken a chair except in taverns with my arms saint aignan smiled at this remark but said porthos as he settled himself down on a couch which creaked but did not give way beneath his weight that unfortunately has nothing whatever to do with my present visit why unfortunately are you the bearer of a message of ill omen monsieur le baron of ill omen for a gentleman certainly not monsieur le comte replied porthos nobly i have simply come to say that you have seriously insulted a friend of mine i monsieur exclaimed saint aignan i have insulted a friend of yours do you say may i ask his name monsieur raoul de bragelonne i have insulted monsieur raoul de bragelonne cried saint aignan i really assure you monsieur that it is quite impossible for monsieur de bragelonne whom i know but very slightly nay whom i know hardly at all is in england and as i have not seen him for a long time past i cannot possibly have insulted him monsieur de bragelonne is in paris monsieur le comte said porthos perfectly unmoved and i repeat it is quite certain you have insulted him since he himself told me you had yes monsieur you have seriously insulted him mortally insulted him i repeat it is impossible monsieur le baron i swear quite impossible besides added porthos you cannot be ignorant of the circumstance since monsieur de bragelonne informed me that he had already apprised you of it by a note i give you my word of honor monsieur that i have received no note whatever this is most extraordinary replied porthos i will convince you said saint aignan that i have received nothing in any way from him and he rang the bell basque he said to the servant who entered how many letters or notes were sent here during my absence three monsieur le comte a note from monsieur de fiesque one from madame de la ferte and a letter from monsieur de las fuentes is that all yes monsieur le comte speak the truth before this gentleman the truth you understand i will take care you are not blamed uh, there 
was a note also from from well from whom from mademoiselle de out with it de laval that is quite sufficient interrupted porthos i believe you monsieur le comte saint aignan dismissed the valet and followed him to the door in order to close it after him and when he had done so looked straight before him he happened to see in the keyhole of the adjoining apartment the paper which bragelonne had slipped in there as he left what is this he said porthos who was sitting with his back to the room turned round aha he said a note in the keyhole exclaimed saint aignan that is not unlikely to be the missing letter monsieur le comte said porthos saint aignan took out the paper a note from monsieur de bragelonne he exclaimed you see monsieur i was right oh when i say a thing brought here by monsieur de bragelonne himself the comte murmured turning pale this is infamous how could he possibly have come here and the comte rang again who has been here during my absence with the king no one monsieur that is impossible someone must have been here no one could possibly have entered monsieur since the keys have never left my pocket and yet i find the letter in yonder lock someone must have put it there it could not have come here of its own accord basque opened his arms as if signifying the most absolute ignorance on the subject probably it was monsieur de bragelonne himself who put it there said porthos in that case he must have entered here how could that have been since i have the key in my own pocket returned basque perseveringly saint aignan crumpled the letter in his palm after having read it there is something mysterious about this he murmured absorbed in thought porthos left him to his reflections but after a while returned to the mission he had undertaken shall we return to our little affair porthos resumed addressing saint aignan after a brief pause i think i can now understand it from this note which has arrived here in so singular a manner monsieur de bragelonne says that a friend will call i am his friend i am the person he alludes to for the purpose of giving me a challenge precisely and he complains that i have insulted him mortally in what way may i ask for his conduct is so mysterious that at least it needs some explanation monsieur replied porthos my friend cannot but be right and as far as his conduct is concerned if it be mysterious as you say you have only yourself to blame for it porthos pronounced these words with an amount of confidence which for a man who was unaccustomed to his ways must have revealed an infinity of sense mystery so it be but what is all the mystery about said saint aignan you will think it best perhaps porthos replied with a low bow if i do not enter into particulars oh i perfectly understand we will touch very lightly upon it then so speak monsieur i am listening 
in the first place monsieur said porthos you have changed your apartments yes that is quite true said saint-aignan you admit it said porthos with an air of satisfaction admit it of course i admit it why should i not admit it do you suppose you have admitted it very good said porthos lifting up one finger but how can my having moved my lodgings have done monsieur de bragelonne any harm have the goodness to tell me that for i positively do not comprehend a word of what you are saying porthos stopped him and then said with great gravity monsieur this is the first of monsieur de bragelonne's complaints against you if he makes a complaint it is because he feels himself insulted saint aignan began to beat his foot impatiently on the ground this looks like a spurious quarrel he said no one can possibly have a spurious quarrel with the vicomte de bragelonne returned porthos but at all events you have nothing to add on the subject of your changing your apartments i suppose nothing and what is the next point ah the next you will observe monsieur that the one i have already mentioned is a most serious injury to which you have given no answer or rather have answered very indifferently it is possible monsieur that you have changed your lodgings monsieur de bragelonne feels insulted at your having done so and you do not attempt to excuse yourself what cried saint-aignan who was getting annoyed at the perfect coolness of his visitor what am i to consult monsieur de bragelonne whether i am to move or not you can hardly be serious monsieur i am and it is absolutely necessary monsieur but under any circumstances you will admit that it is nothing in comparison with the second ground of complaint well what is that porthos assumed a very solemn expression as he said how about the trap-door monsieur saint-aignan turned exceedingly pale he pushed back his chair so abruptly that porthos simple as he was perceived that the blow had told the trap-door murmured saint-aignan yes monsieur explain that if you can said porthos shaking his head saint-aignan held down his head as he murmured i have been betrayed everything is known everything replied porthos who knew nothing you see me perfectly overwhelmed pursued saint-aignan overwhelmed to a degree that i, I hardly know what i am about a guilty conscience monsieur your affair is a bad one and when the public learns all about it it will judge oh monsieur exclaimed the count hurriedly such a secret ought not to be known even by one's confessor that we will think about said porthos the secret will not go far in fact surely monsieur returned saint-aignan since monsieur de bragelonne has penetrated the secret he must be aware of the danger he as well as others run the risk of incurring monsieur de bragelonne runs no danger monsieur 
nor does he fear any either, as you, if it please heaven, will find out very soon. This fellow is a perfect madman, thought Saint-Aignan. What in heaven's name does he want? He then said aloud, Come, monsieur, let us hush up this affair. You forget the portrait, said Porthos in a voice of thunder, which made the comte's blood freeze in his veins. As the portrait in question was La Vallière's portrait, and no mistake could any longer exist on the subject, Saint-Aignan's eyes were completely opened. Ah! he exclaimed. Ah! monsieur! I remember now that Monsieur de Bragelonne was engaged to be married to her. Porthos assumed an imposing air, all the majesty of ignorance, in fact, as he said, it matters nothing whatever to me nor to yourself indeed whether or not my friend was as you say engaged to be married i am even astonished that you should have made use of so indiscreet a remark it may possibly do your cause harm monsieur monsieur replied saint-aignan you are the incarnation of intelligence delicacy and loyalty of feeling united i see the whole matter now clearly enough so much the better said porthos and pursued saint-aignan you have made me comprehend it in the most ingenious in the most delicate manner possible i beg you to accept my best thanks porthos drew himself up unable to resist the flattery of the remark only now that i know everything permit me to explain porthos shook his head as a man who does not wish to hear but saint aignan continued i am in despair i assure you at all that has happened but how would you have acted in my place come between ourselves tell me what you would have done porthos drew himself up as he answered there is now no question at all of what i should have done young man you have been made acquainted with the three causes of complaint against you i believe as for the first my change of rooms and now i address myself to you as a man of honor and of great intelligence could i when the desire of so august a personage was so urgently expressed that i should move ought i to have disobeyed porthos was about to speak but saint-aignan did not give him time to answer ah my frankness i see convinces you he said interpreting the movement according to his own fancy you feel that i am right porthos did not reply and so saint-aignan continued i pass by that unfortunate trap-door he said placing his hand on porthos's arm that trap-door the occasion and means of so much unhappiness in which was constructed for you know what well then in plain truth do you suppose that it was i who of my own accord in such a place too had the trap-door made oh no you do not believe it and here again you feel you guess you understand the influence of a will superior to my own you can conceive the infatuation the blind irresistible passion which has been at work but thank heaven I am fortunate in speaking to a man who has so much sensitiveness of feeling. And if it were not so indeed, what an amount of misery and scandal would fall upon her. 
poor girl, and upon him whom I will not name. Porthos, confused and bewildered by the eloquence and gestures of Saint-Aignan, made a thousand efforts to stem this torrent of words, of which, by the by, he did not understand a single one. He remained upright and motionless on his seat, and that was all he could do. Saint-Aignan continued and gave a new inflection to his voice and an increasing vehemence to his gesture. As for the portrait, for I readily believe the portrait is the principal cause of complaint, tell me candidly if you think me to blame. Who was it who wished to have her portrait? Was it I? Who, who is in love with her? Is it I? Who wishes to gain her affection? Again, is it I who took her likeness? I, do you think? No, a thousand times no. I know Monsieur de Bragelonne must be in a state of despair. I know these misfortunes are most cruel, but I too am suffering as well, and yet there is no possibility of offering any resistance. Suppose we were to fight, we would be laughed at. If he obstinately persists in his course, he is lost. You will tell me, I know, that despair is ridiculous, but then you are a sensible man. You have understood me. I perceived by your serious, thoughtful, embarrassed air even that the importance of the situation we are placed in has not escaped you. Return, therefore, to Monsieur de Bragelonne. Thank him, as I have indeed reason to thank him, for having chosen as an intermediary a man of your high merit. Believe me that I shall, on my side, preserve an eternal gratitude for the man who has so ingenuously, so cleverly arranged the misunderstanding between us. And since ill luck would have it that this secret should be known to four instead of three, why, this secret, which might make the most ambitious man's fortune, I am delighted to share with you, monsieur. From the bottom of my heart I am delighted at it. From this very moment you can make use of me as you please. I place myself entirely at your mercy. What can I possibly do for you? What can I solicit, nay, require even? You have only to speak, monsieur, only to speak. And according to the familiarly friendly fashion of that period, Saint-Aignan threw his arms around Porthos and clasped him tenderly in his embrace. Porthos allowed him to do this with the most perfect indifference. Speak, resumed Saint-Aignan. What do you require? Monsieur, said Porthos, I have a horse below. Be good enough to mount him. He is a very good one, and will play you no tricks. Mount on horseback? What for? inquired Saint-Aignan, with no little curiosity. To accompany me to where Monsieur de Bragelonne is waiting us. Ah! He wishes to speak to me, I suppose. I can well believe that. He wishes to have the details, very likely. Alas! It is a very delicate matter, but— at the present moment I cannot, for the king is waiting for me. The king must wait, then, said Porthos. What do you say? The king must wait, interrupted the finished courtier, with a smile of utter amazement, for he could not understand that the king could under any circumstances be supposed to have to wait. It is merely the affair of a very short hour, returned Porthos. But where is Monsieur de Bragelonne waiting for me? At the minima, at Vincennes. 
indeed but are we going to laugh over the affair when we get there i don't think it likely said porthos as his face assumed a look of utter hardness but the minimus is a rendezvous where duels take place and what can i have to do with the minima porthos slowly drew his sword and said that is the length of my friend's sword why the man is mad cried saint aignan the color mounted to porthos's face as he replied if i had not the honor of being in your own apartment monsieur and of representing monsieur de bragelonne's interests i would throw you out of the window it will be merely a pleasure postponed and you will lose nothing by waiting will you come with me to the minimum monsieur of your own free will but take care i will carry you if you do not come quickly basque cried saint aignan as soon as basque appeared he said the king wishes to see monsieur le comte that is very different said porthos the king's service before anything else we will wait until this evening monsieur and saluting saint aignan with his usual courtesy porthos left the room delighted at having arranged another affair saint aignan looked after him as he left and then hastily putting on his court dress again he ran off arranging his costume as he went along muttering to himself the minimus the minimus we shall see how the king will fancy this challenge for it is for him after all that is certain end of chapter sixteen recording by john van stan savannah georgia